0: Hello, my friends. Welcome back to Detox Podcast. I am Denise Walker, your host. If you're new here, welcome. Detox Podcast is a deep dive into my poetry collections, Pick Your Poison on addiction and recovery. Every episode, I dissect one of my poems. I go into it to describe my emotions, my experiences, and I present it to you in this way in order to create a place of solace, understanding, and relatability. Let's dive in. Hello, hello, how are you? I hope you're well. Uh, Welcome to season two, episode three of Detox Podcast. Uh, Today's episode is called Metamorphic. And before we get into it, I want to just tell you about a workshop. I was going to say podcast. I'm like, this is the podcast where I'm going to tell you about the workshop. Uh, it's a learn to read tarot workshop. It's on April 27th, which is a Tuesday at 6:30 p.m. Mountain Daylight Time. It's two and a half hours long. Normally my workshops are like two hours, but the, the one that I did, uh, we ran a little over and I just want to make sure that like you have an opportunity to really get all the information that I want to give to you. I think it's all important, and I didn't really want to have to cut any of it out, so I've just extended it to two hours and a half. Um, Yeah, so it's a learn to read tarot workshop where uh, I teach you how to learn how to read the tarot cards without the use of the guidebook. So it's really uh, wonderful for anybody who has never ever touched a tarot deck before, but you're interested in doing so, or you know you've been playing around with the tarot cards for a little while, uh, but you heavily rely on the guidebook for interpretations of the cards um, or you want to start learning how to do your own spreads where you like lay out a couple cards at a time and they all relate to each other they all have different meanings. I go into all the symbology in the cards. There's so much symbology symbology in the cards, the numerology, um, some astrological connections, as well as uh, just kind of like overall meanings of the major arcana, which is the archetypal cards. Uh, from like the fool, the devil, death, high priestess, all of those ones. And then the minor arcana where we go through the pentacles, cups, swords, and wands in those suits there. Uh, It's super fun. You learn a lot. You get opportunity to practice and ask questions. And yeah, I hope to see you there. I've got sliding scale available for it. So you can go to, I'll put the link to it in my show notes. Uh, but you can also go to either cityandsoulca slash workshops or go to my website, denisewalkerspeaks.com slash events. And yeah, you can sign up that way. There's sliding scale pricing available, which I do to make it more accessible uh, to people. The regular price is $40 Canadian. And it we've got the... Uh, a more accessible tier at $25 Canadian, and then a more expensive tier at $65 Canadian. So, this is for you know, if you can't afford the $40, but you'd still love to come, that $25 is there for you to choose. And if you are somebody who has a lot of expendable income, some money lying around, and you'd like to help to sustain my ability to offer sliding scale. Uh, there's that $65 benchmark that you can choose as well, uh, which is uh, really great if you can help support in that way. Uh, but you get the same access to the entire workshop. Um, it's virtual for all the different price points. You, It doesn't matter what you choose. You still get me, you still get the whole thing. Uh, and it's just completely what's right for you. And I choose that you'll, you'll pick whichever price point uh, with integrity. And I'm really hoping that I see you there. Um, yeah. So let's get into this episode today. Okay. I'll just read the poem. It's really short. It's just two lines. It's called Metamorphic. I watch you burn and I smile for I know how strong you'll be when you outlast the flames. I'm going to read it one more time. I watch you burn and I smile for I know how strong you'll be when you outlast the flames. Okay, and right off the bat, I want to talk about how this goes two ways. I'm going to be talking about spiritual bypassing today, as well as reframing struggle as like a spiritual quest, almost. So I'm going to begin by talking about A little bit more about hip sobriety school and how that worked and why it was so effective in helping me to get sober so I'm not a neuroscientist or a neurobiologist or a psychologist or anything like that but I do have um, quite an interest in those fields I find it very fascinating and how the brain works how the mind works how behavior works and before I got sober, I was an atheist. Like, I thought that if you believed in something, that you were weak. I actually thought that. And so, um, I thought that it meant, like, you couldn't cope enough with your own life that you needed something else to help you. And I thought that that was, like, a bad thing. (laughs) I thought that was a bad thing. And it's not. Like, there's... There's no way that in the world that we live in, that you should feel bad for needing support. I think that every single human being needs support, and like a lot of it. And um, that's just a reflection on where I was, right? I was heavily addicted to alcohol, I was, you know, doing everything on my own because I was... uh, shutting people out. I wasn't letting them know the truth. I wasn't being honest with them or myself. And I just, I, I, I reflected that around me, right? I, I projected that judgment onto others. Like, why should they need help? I don't need any help. That kind of thing. I can see, I can see where I went wrong. (laughs) Um, so in hip sobriety, what happens is I, on day one of hip sobriety school, I did let that be like my day one. Um of not drinking or like pretty close to like I think I signed up like a week before it started or something like that Um, and so it was like right away Um, April 19th 2017 was my last drink And There's this thing Uh in hip sobriety where every day you get an email with a mantra which is more like an affirmative statement but they were called mantras and uh, they were statements that every day you would, you would wake up, you'd read the email, there would be like this whole thing from Holly, that's the the founder of Hip Sobriety, listing like how this specific affirmation relates to sobriety and, and her experience with it and how this like will help you rewire your brain to like a more beneficial, self-loving, um, action-oriented, brain to help get you out of this like hole of addiction. So every day we would listen to this or not listen, sorry, we'd read the, the mantra, we would read the email and I would sit in the morning with with this in my mind and I would get a glass of hot tea or hot lemon water and I would sit with it and I would repeat it to myself. And this would be like statements like, I can do hard things. Or, what if today was the best day of my life? Or, I believe in miracles. Or, I am grateful for this moment. And these are really powerful, impactful statements, especially coming from someone who didn't believe in, like, spirituality, didn't believe in universal intelligence, um, didn't believe in any of that kind of stuff. I was completely severed off from any form of spirituality while I was in addiction. And... When I started doing these things at first, um it was a very unifying thing because you would go into the Facebook group with all the other hip sobriety classmates and we would talk about the mantra and how it um was empowering for us and we would they would then become these sort of slogans that we would say to each other in moments of struggle and like someone would be talking about an experience they were having they were having a hard time and people would be like, you can do hard things like, you just you know sit in the fire and you are a badass motherfucker and that was like one of the statements and like you you were we just like hammered home all the time from all angles these statements and it's pretty cool in a way (laughs) i'll say cool um that when you repeat a statement over and over and over and over again, your brain begins to integrate it. Very much like if you grew up in a very like fundamentalist Christian household that maybe was really laced with hate and discrimination and uh, uh, was really rejecting of certain, um, certain people, certain beliefs, uh, certain uh, genders or you know, different things like that. Um, there's this there's this integration of that information that happens, right? Like you might on some level like reject it, but you also might internalize some of these hateful comments or or ways that that things are and ways of thinking based on the people that you have been surrounded with. Like this goes for like your friend group too. like if you have friends who like are always, I don't know into hiking like you you'll probably end up going hiking like if that's what they always talk about and that's what they're always doing and you want to spend time with them you'll probably end up going hiking and the more you hike maybe it'll become more of your life just the thing the things that we're exposed to become a part of us and as we repeated these statements like um this is not happening to me this is happening for me Um, or I believe in miracles, or um, I'm trying to think of more of the kind of more uh, outrageous spiritual ones, but they're escaping me right now. Um, I started to believe these things that like everything happens for a reason. Everything is connected. Nothing, nothing is connected exactly as it seems, there's this like more grand design to it. And me being now on this sobriety path and plus this like mental psychological reprogramming, I then became a very spiritual person. I, ble- I believe that sobriety was like meant to happen to me. I believe that my addiction was very purposeful for putting me onto a path, this, like, certain trajectory to allow me to experience certain life experiences and get me to where my soul was meant to go. And on one hand, these things are really, really amazing things. Like, to take addiction and reframe it as, like, a... a challenge, something to rise to, something to beat, to fight against, that was cosmically placed on my path to overcome and and become stronger, like, that's really powerful, that's really motivating, at least it was for me, to think, like, okay, like, I'm exactly where I'm meant to be. That was one of the statements, I'm exactly where I meant to be. And so right here in the middle of this shit, down in the mud of like addiction recovery, I am meant to be right here, learning how to become stronger through hardship. And yes, there are so many things that um, that reflect this to be true. Like when we go through something really tough, and we We go through it and we get through it. We learn things along the way. We are more informed based on the data we've collected from this experience so that when we are met with another challenge, we know how to tackle it. The more crises that we encounter, the less the crises in the future will be able to rock us, be able to shake us, be able to derail us. We will be stronger. We'll know better. We'll have more tools. We will just be more experienced beings. And so (sighs) to have a spiritual lens on recovery was really important for me, and it really helped me get through a lot of the shit to have meaning behind it, to have meaning that, you know, when I when I'm sitting in the fire of recovery and I feel like my skin is being stripped off of my body because I am just like in the most horrendous nervous system response that just doesn't seem to end. And it just comes in waves and waves and waves. And like, and to know that that this is part of some grand design was like really um, reassuring. And in my life, I live, of course, a privileged life. I am a white cisgendered female who grew up in Canada um, in a middle to upper middle class family where my parents are not divorced. And I I didn't, you know, we didn't struggle financially. We weren't in poverty. I always had, you know, a roof over my head, food on the table and people who loved me. I was able to do whatever I wanted to do because the means and was always available. And so while I understand trauma and have experienced trauma, I have not experienced trauma without a support system. And that is something that is very real, and is a reality for many, many, many people on this earth. And so I wanna talk about spiritual bypassing. And when we have these mantras or affirmations that rewired my brain, this is what happened. I became very spiritual and they helped me to empower myself, they made me, you know, they put me back into the driver's seat. They helped dismantle my ego a little bit. They helped to, you know, Make me feel like okay, fuck yeah, I can do anything. I can do this. I can reframe my pain to be a strength. I can look at any challenge as a teachable moment, as lessons to be learned, as you know, just another uh, book in the chapter of the "This Is Life" textbook. Um, and I'm just getting closer and closer to graduating the school of life. And and to frame it like that was really powerful to to help me get down the path and get to sobriety and maintain sobriety when these challenges rose and rose and rose and rose. But on while it was empowering in that sense, there is this concept of spiritual bypassing. And if you don't know what spiritual bypassing is, it is using spirituality to bypass the reality of a situation—it's to bypass the emotionality of the situation, how you truly feel about it, how it's impacting you, how it's impacting others—and it's a really—it's um, kind—it's of, like a trauma response, right? It's like glazing over the shit reality we find ourselves in and saying, "Oh well, this is all happening because it's just part of the plan." or this is happening for me, not to me. And it's helping me get to my highest good. Whatever is happening here, I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to rise up to the challenge in ways to fight against what's happening. I'm just going to accept my reality as um, as it is, because it's perfect, and it's a teacher, and it's meant to be, and I'm right where I'm supposed to be, and that's it. And we just shove the shit and the trauma and whatever's actually going on under the rug, we never actually look at it, or integrate it, or process it. And we see, we saw this, like an example of spiritual bypassing, is like, when there's conflict, and one party says, I, I don't fight, I just believe in love and light, and love conquers all, and as long as I remain in a state of love, then, um, then I am good, and you are good, and I just send love to you. And like, that's beautiful. Right, like that. It's good to send love to people and and be in that vibration of love, but <laughs> but conflict is like a real normal human thing that happens. And there's a lot of information in conflict. And there's a lot of information in like, holy shit, this moment is really hard. And like, I should be it. T- what it does is it takes you out of the present moment. It like disembodies you from reality. It, it disconnects you from, from what's actually happening here in reality with other people and how your behavior, your thoughts, your actions, your words, and other people's thoughts, behaviors, words, actions actually influence each other and actually have an impact. It's like letting yourself off the hook of all of your interpersonal relationships and all of the things that are happening to you. It's like, it's, It's creating a barrier between um, your rational brain and your emotional, physical body. It's saying, "This, this bad thing that's happening to me isn't actually bad because it's good. And always taking things and twisting them into this perpetually positive light can be damaging. It can allow us to allow bad things to continuously happen to us because we don't have a boundary that says uh wait a minute no i won't stand for this i i won't be uh talked to this way or you know what this is actually super, super hard, and I need help. And I am struggling with this thing at hand, and I don't know what to do. And you know what? I, I don't want to just blow it away as like some sort of cosmic teaching moment. What if it's not? What if it's not part of some sort of intricate master plan? What if it's just trauma that is happening and it is hurting and it is harming and we're not dealing with it? So when we have this mindset that everything is happening to us for a reason and it's happening for our highest good and, you know, everything is spiritual and everything is connected and we're on this grand path towards enlightenment or up-leveling or whatever, whatever it is, um, it puts the onus on the person to take personal responsibility for everything that's happening to them, around them, and personal responsibility on how they deal with it. And it's like, if you can't meet the trauma with this, like, omniscient, spirit brain that's like, oh, I see you for exactly as you are. And I'm just going to let this wash right over me. Like, this is very, um, I I guess it is a very Buddhist mindset, like that, you know, all humanness is suffering. And once you realize that, like, you're just like, oh, it's fine. I can suffer and suffering is fine. Um, but there's this like victim, mentality that sort of gets perpetuated. And I've heard this come up quite often in the last year um, in my in my circles, in this sort of spiritual wellness community. And it came up in uh, 2018, I think it was. I went to LA for a She Recovers conference. And There was a woman who did a workshop on forgiveness and I was really struggling with self forgiveness. And so like I had done something that I just like couldn't forgive myself for, which is something that happens a lot in life to every single human being. We do things that uh, That make us feel shame and guilt and we harbor them and we don't release them. And then we, we hate ourselves. So I was looking for some relief from this. And so It starts off with some EFT, like some tapping, like that thing where you repeat like certain phrases while tapping on certain parts of your face and on your body. And like, I don't know, I think that's kind of cool, but um, it's also, yeah, just sets the tone. Um, And the thing she said was, and I, I wanna say at the time, this was like a mind blowing moment In retrospect, I'm not sure if it's a good thing. (laughs) Okay, so she said that whatever happened to you happened to you because of an unconscious belief that you deserved it, and you attracted this to happen to you. And like I, I, I'm kind of like a spiritual overachiever in some ways. <laughs> um, I, 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 I'm very cerebral when it comes to analyzing why I do the things I do. Where, where is trauma influencing my brain and my thoughts and my decisions and my reactions? What is this what is conditioning? What is original thought? I'm very like I really love to like analyze myself and, like, others, <laughs> but specifically myself. So when she said this, I was like, okay, interesting. What happened to me was because of something that I, like, I believe about myself, and I've attracted this to happen to me on some unconscious level because I thought I deserved it. I was like, okay, well, let's let's explore that. Um... I won't be disclosing what happened on this podcast. Um, yeah, but but I just now I'm I'm really thinking like how safe is it to tell trauma survivors and addiction survivors that the abuse they sustained was their fault. <laughs> are you with me? And like, I've heard people in my circles be like, we are just be talking about like negative things and like someone will just say like, yeah, but at some point people have to realize like the part they played in the negative things happening to them. And every time it comes up, I'm just struck with, like, the inappropriateness of that. Your lack of self-worth or your lack of self-love or self-acceptance or any sort of, like, lack that you feel on any level, whether it's conscious or not, does not mean that you caused your abuse to happen. That is spiritual bypassing. That is victim blaming and victim shaming. Abuse is always the fault of the abuser. always. And it doesn't matter if you have an unconscious belief about yourself or not. You weren't energetically attracting abuse to happen to you. I just want to say that's fucked up. When it, I'm, I'm starting, like, I'm not sure if you can tell by the tone of this podcast, but I'm really questioning my spiritual beliefs because of things like this. I'm starting to see how this, like, I'm sure you've heard around the term sovereignty being used in wellness circles, but it's like this, like, autonomy of the self that, like, I'm in control of my body and my reality and, and... If I don't wield my self in perfect, sovereign ways, then I've, I've failed and I deserve whatever happens to me. And, like, the the pain and the suffering and the negative stuff that happens to me, like, is because of, like, something that I energetically put out into the world. That's fucked up. That's... That's fucked up. It just keeps us so far from the actual truth of what has happened, which is you have sustained trauma. You have sustained abuse. You have been in really shitty situations, especially if you have been in these situations without proper support. And it is these this lack of support, which is also not your fault, it is, Systemic, um, that perpetuates it, it is the system that perpetuates these situations, not your energetic frequency. You hear me? I'm a little upset. <laughs> And so when I have this poem that's talking about me smiling while you're experiencing trauma, (laughs) I can reflect and be like, you know what? I'm not too sure if I really believe this anymore. And I do believe that hardship is transforming. I believe it makes us stronger. I do believe that. But in some cases, trauma also breaks us down and it's not linear, right? Like, um, my sister sustained a psychological injury in August. She, She has PTSD, and, and I was really struggling with trying to figure out, um, why, like, cosmically why this has happened to her. So, before this, like, I, she was making a lot of really amazing steps, and I was, like, super spiritual at this time, and I'm, like, uh, she was, like, really taking control of her life, like, she was, um, previously she had always kind of conceded to other people and like always put them first, like with roommates or boyfriends. And like, finally she had like broken up with a boyfriend who never put her first, um, moved out of the house, um, at, that they lived in. She moved in with a friend who was like really, um, she gave them everything, right? Gave them the parking stall, gave them the mass, or, um, the larger bedroom uh, and, and, like, always conceded and always took less because she didn't own, like, that she was valued, and so she finally, like, was living on her own in this beautiful apartment, and I was so happy, and, like, she was doing really well, and then suddenly this, like, psychological injury happened out of nowhere. Well, not, like, out of nowhere, like, it was repeated, um, kind of trauma that just built and built and built and finally snapped, but, um, I couldn't make sense of it, you know? I was like, why? She was on this, like, really great path towards, like, really, I thought, opening up and, like, and, like, really aligned, and then suddenly this, like, huge derailment from, like, what I thought was where she was supposed to be, and so I couldn't, like, wrap my head around it, and... She's actually finally returning to work in a few weeks here. Um, This was like a workplace injury. We work at ambulance dispatch, so you can imagine the kind of trauma that we endure there. Um, And this was like a very legit trauma. All trauma is legit. All trauma is legit. But this was like fucking awful. So um, she's been having a really hard time. I'm really glad that she's like doing well, doing much better and like returning to work. Uh, But it's... It shook my worldview. I think it was one of the things this year, year and a bit, that has shaken my worldview on spirituality around hardship. And this, this trauma, didn't make her stronger. You know, this is trauma that shattered her, that broke her, that put wounds and neural pathways and shit inside of her psyche that was not there before. And she has had to work very, very hard at unpacking and unraveling and healing from that. And, like, I do believe that over time, perhaps this experience will make her stronger in the long run. But it also, in a way, makes her more susceptible to traumas in the future that have to do with this. Like, what if she experiences again, and it's very possible, the same kind of experience that traumatized her in the first place? She now is preconceived to, she has triggers, right? She now has triggers that are built in that are hard to deal with. And and we can reframe that in a spiritual light all we want. But the truth is, is that she has been injured. And she needs help to heal. And it's very real. It's very real and not at first there were moments where I was like, oh, I'm really excited that she's actually going to go to therapy now. But this is not how I ever wanted it to happen. And so to reflect on this poem where I'm saying, I watch you burn and I smile because I know how strong you'll be when you outlast the flames. That is a very privileged vantage point. That is me looking at someone else's trauma and thinking I know anything about it. And thinking I know anything about trauma in the first place. I only know what I know about my own experience. Yeah, so just some, like, food for thought on how how our language matters and, like, just because, like... You, you may have some, like, really powerful spiritual beliefs that, that help you on this path. Like, that is wonderful, 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 wonderful. Um, but I've learned that that language can be just as harmful as it is helpful. And we have to be very cautious when working with people who are in a vulnerable mind state, as I would imagine like I was when I was coming out of addiction and being met with these mantras that were molding my brain. And I know that this reshaping of my neural pathways was like integral to sobriety, and I'm really grateful that this program existed and did reshape my brain and got me out of that i'm like i'm so grateful and it worked it worked but when does it stop helping and starts hindering there's a line and maybe maybe you've been thinking about this i don't know but I just, I just offer some, yeah, just some, some different perspective on it, perhaps, and just some questions that I've been asking myself. You don't need to do anything with that. <laughs> but I hope that you um, maybe saw something from a different perspective today uh, and and have some food for thought. I'd love to hear any of your ideas about this. Please reach out to me on Instagram at Denise JWA um, or email me like I at hello at Denise That's on my website. I would love to hear if like, you're going through something similar, or if you have experiences with this, or like, how spirituality has actually harmed your uh, healing journey, or how it's helped you. Like, It's helped me. I would love to hear it. I would love to hear about this because I am questioning, and I am super confused, and I don't know what I believe anymore, and I don't know if it is a symptom of the shit we've endured over the last year and a bit. I don't know if it's a symptom of, like, latent trauma that's coming to the surface, or if it's really that I'm, like, waking up from this, like, spiritual conditioning that was laid on top of my vulnerable brain. I don't know. But I'm questioning it. <laughs> questioning, questioning, tre- questioning. Um, yeah. I'm not going to read the poem again, actually. I think I've talked about it enough. Um, We'll see you next week. Hope to see you at uh, Learn to Read Tarot Workshop on April 27th. I'll be hosting more. This was really fun. And I hope you have a wonderful week. We'll see you next time.